like Jesus. You know, I remember when I was a young child, um, some of you have heard me say this before, but I had a veritable worship service every night. You see, my parents, when they put us to bed, would gather us all together in uh, the bedroom that I shared with one of my brothers. And uh, we would pray together, um, all of my brothers and my parents. Uh, we'd begin, now I lay me down to sleep. Everybody remember that one? And then, uh, then we'd have a time for free prayer. We'd pray for all of our cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents and all of our relatives and friends and even the dogs and the pets. And, and then, um, then we would sing songs and hymns. And uh, Jesus, tender shepherd near me, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, beautiful savior. These were all songs that we would sing. So that, that's what I mean. We had a, a truly a worship service every night when I went to bed. And uh, so the hymn that we would sing, not only at night, but during the days is this hymn, you hear Patty beginning to play in the background, Beautiful Savior, Beautiful Savior, King of creation, Son of God, Son of man, Light of my soul, my, uh, truly I'd love thee, truly I'd serve thee, Light of my soul, my joy, my crown. So my brothers and I grew up singing this hymn. Uh, there was once several years back that they were here and we actually sang it together again. But we, we would sing it at family occasions. I remember it was our gift to my grandparents on their 50th wedding anniversary. And uh, then I joined the college choir and we ended every concert with this piece. And so I, want, I wanted to just have you begin with me this morning to sing just that first stanza. And uh, some of you may not remember it, but many of you I think probably do remember it. So let's try singing that first stanza. Beautiful Savior, King of creation, Son of God and Son of Man, true Thank you for indulging me. As we think about that hymn and the lyrics of that hymn, it teaches us about who Jesus really is. Jesus is the beautiful Savior. Jesus is the King of all creation. Jesus is the Son of God and the Son of Man. Truly, we'd love this Savior, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we truly not only love him, but serve him? Because he is the light of our souls. He is our joy. And this is where you become royalty. He is also your crown. So if any of you ever envied the UK, you can now know that you too can wear a crown. 
So the reading that Larry read to you this morning is actually a hymn. They call it a Christ hymn. And it was sung by the early church. And it pre, um, pre-existed before Paul um, actually became a Christian. And so what Paul is doing, he is drawing upon this Christ hymn to help people to understand who Jesus is, who he is as the Christ. And like our hymn, Beautiful Savior, teaches us so much from its lyrics, uh, from its music, its melodies, its harmonies, from its rhythm, so too the Christ hymn did for that early church. Today's reading from Paul quotes this hymn to describe the two natures of Jesus Christ. That he is the son of God and he is also the son of man. As the son of God, he descended down to earth. And he descended so low that he became human, but just not any human. He took the lowliest form of humanity that he could find, becoming like a slave. And because of this, God raised him up and exalted him as God above all, Lord of all. Jesus came to earth with the greatest amount of love that one could ever imagine. And he gave of himself. He he emptied himself, the hymn says. Think about that. God emptying himself of any divinity, of any God, like characteristics. He empties himself. But let's be clear. Jesus was not a passive victim. He fully enters into this mission. He is intent on fulfilling the mission that God has sent him to earth to perform. And he becomes this lowly human, taking the form of a slave so that he can serve others. So where can this Jesus be found today? Do you find him in the churches? Well, I know that he can be found in Maui with those families that are looking for their lost loved ones from the wildfire fires. I know that he is also in Morocco where people are dying under collapsed buildings. And I know that he can be found in Libya where families are looking for loved ones who were swept away in floods. That's what it means to take the lowest form of humanity and to be with them and to love them. This is how one empties oneself. We go out into the world to be with those who suffer. 
all of our gatherings just end up at the church, we may help a few people that are suffering, but are we really doing what Christ did? So this, this Messiah, Jesus, this beautiful Savior, the King of creation, who empties himself, this kind of God runs contrary to the gods that we worship in our culture today. I mean, we can get all caught up with it too. We, we want a winner God, right? We don't want a loser God. We want a God who will take care of me, not everybody else. We want a God who tells me how great I am. But also, not just that, but how bad you guys really are. (laughs) Isn't that the kind of God that we get tempted to follow? Fred Craddock is uh, still living. I just read an article by him. He's, I believe, in his 90s now, but he was a professor of homiletics. That's a professor of preaching um, at Candler Theological School in uh, at Emory in Atlanta, Georgia. <clears throat> and he was one of the, the big uh, theologians of preaching that, that we studied and learned from when I was in seminary. In this little book on Philippians, he writes this. Paul regarded as inappropriate to the body of Christ, to the church, Paul regarded as inappropriate to the church the selfish eye the pompous mind, the ear hungry for compliments, and the mouth that spoke none, the heart that had little room for others, and the hand that served only the self. He's a brilliant writer, that's why he taught homiletics. What he is saying is that those are the things the church cannot be. We cannot be pompous. We cannot search for compliments. We cannot look to ourselves. Paul uses this Christ hymn because he wants the Philippian church and he wants us to know just who Jesus really is. He also wants us to know how to live as followers of that Jesus. Instead of expecting the Philippians to agree on everything, Paul asks this one thing. He says, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Now he's not asking for unity here. What he's saying is he's calling for a united spirit of love and service. Truly I'd love thee, truly I'd serve thee. A united spirit of love and service. We may not be in Maui or Morocco or Libya, but we can support ministries that are there, Lutheran World Relief, is there. Other ministries of support are there. We can pray for those suffering 
in these parts of the world and other parts of the world we can give financially to help support the recovery of these communities. These are ways that we can extend ourselves into the world to be like Jesus, even when we physically can't be there. We can be united in our love and service for those who are the lowest, the most hurt, the most broken. Paul continues this by reminding us that we are to look out for the interests of others. In verses 3 and 4 from last Sunday, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than ourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Do you remember how much love these Philippians had for Jesus? I mean, it was immense. Remember how much love they had for Paul? It was unstoppable. Do you remember how much love they had for one another? They were truly clicking. They were the church. Now Paul is asking them to have the same kind of love for others. That's what he means when he says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. From verse 5. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And it's not just in you individually, because Paul is writing this in the plural sense. What he is saying is let the same mind be in us, among us, the church, let us all have together the same mind in Christ Jesus, that we as a church, as the body of Christ, we will take on that form of Jesus, of loving others, of serving others. Paul sees the church as a community being formed by the mind of Christ, by a spirit of humility, and by love and service to others. Humility, love, and service. That's what it means to have the mind of Christ. Think about that. Paul sees the church in the process of being formed by a common faith in Jesus Christ, a spirit of humility and loving service to others. Might we say that when we get off track as a church, that we do so by being disformed or uninformed, lacking formation? We as the body need one another to be the body. You know, that's the purpose of missional communities. Last Sunday, if you were here, you got to meet Faith Murphy and Joel, um, now I'm blanking on Joel's last name again, Traeger, I think it is, something like that. But um, phenomenal young man and ph phenomenal woman who are coordinators for this local ministry, Teach One to Lead One. 
and that what they do is they call us to come together as fellow believers with a spirit of humility to love and to serve youth at our local high school, Desert Mountain. That's a missional community where we gather together to love and to serve. And of course, gotta have some food too, right? That's one of the things that I've noticed. Um, we've had Faith visit here multiple times and she has brought food every single time. She gets it. So if you want to learn more about this missional community, you can visit with Alex. Alex will be coordinating that particular mission. And it's a way to interact with youth, different kinds of youth, be able to, to teach them, but also to love them, to serve them, to care for them. They shared a couple of stories of how the kids are sometimes suspicious. It was really awesome because from here, worship, we went into confirmation and they began to teach some of the things to the confirmation youth and our youth were just as suspicious as the other high school youth will be. Yeah, it takes a while to build the trust. So missional communities are a way for us to move outside into the community. I don't know if you noticed, but the gate's fixed. We no longer have that little rim down there on the concrete. Now it's got rollers, so we can just roll it open and close. So we don't have to worry about tripping over that thing anymore. And I've had a love-hate relationship with the gate. I mean, I, I love it because it's providing protection. You know, and we've got a lot of little ones that we need to protect. But I also kind of hate it because it really locks us out of the community. And so I'm learning to love the gate for this reason. Because it's forcing me to think about going outside. How many of you have had that that uh, idea at this point. Anybody or just me? See, the, the gate is good. The gate is great because it'll protect kids here. But the gate is also good. And I love the gate also because it reminds me that I'm blocked in here. I need to get out of here. I need to go into the community. So I've been praying about that. I've been praying for three missional communities to start this, this next year. And uh, God has answered one by Alex rising up and saying, I want to do this, teach one to lead one. Some of you have already joined his community. So I'm here to share another idea with you this morning that God's been, my friend Bill Papke tells me, God whispers. I like that. And so this is one that God, God has been whispering to me. He says, start a church. Oops, there we go. Start church in the community around food now 
I'm, I know that that shocks many of you, that God would whisper to me about starting a church in the community around food. That just doesn't sound like your pastor at all, does it? And by the way, I want to I commend and thank Paul Harper. Paul is not here this morning because he's busy cooking, and uh, he has volunteered to provide the meal for the marriage course tonight for 30 of us. And uh, beef bourguignon, uh, like beef burgundy, it's a French, I mean, it is a phenomenal. Gruyere, garlic potatoes, I mean, he is, the, I mean, they're going to they're gonna suffer when they go back to my cooking. <laughs> so, as I've been thinking about a community church, I've been listening to some podcasts of churches that have done this and um, so one of my ideas is to begin because I, I, I don't want to start big I want to start small so that I, we don't overwhelm ourselves but what about if we did a brunch church on the fifth Sunday of the month which would be like about four times during the year but now you can't serve brunch inside the gate. That's the problem. So we've got to figure out how to serve brunch outside of the gate. And it creates all kinds of problems for us to kind of have some conversation about because, you know, shouldn't you start brunch by 10.30? So what do we do with the 10.30 slot that week? You know, maybe we move it to 9.00. And then we go out and serve. I don't know. We'll, we'll think of these things. We'll talk about these things. You see, the reason that we are called into the community is so that we can go there humbly, so that we can love them and serve them. And who are they? We don't even know yet. But there are people who don't know about Jesus, perhaps. There are people who don't know about the church. There are people who probably wouldn't come to a church. But they'll come to a free brunch if you're going to offer it, if we're going to offer it. If you're interested in this idea, let me know. Send me a text or an email. Let me know if you're interested in working on this project. The point being is that what Paul is telling us to do is to be like-minded, like him, like Christ. And so that means that we have to leave this building on occasion. And maybe that's easier for you than some of us who are employed here. But we all need to go from here to there with a purpose, with a mission. Whether it's to teach youth in the high school, whether it's to serve a brunch in the community, whatever else comes up. So let's not go to church, let's be the church. And let's not always think about just gathering but let's also think about scattering. Let's confess our ignorance. 
and our arrogance and ask for God's humility. Let's think and act like Jesus did. Even if the world chooses to shame us, to ridicule us, to ignore us, and let's love and serve our neighbors. You know what the greatest challenge in terms of our community is today? What people suffer from the most? Loneliness. I don't know if that surprises you, but that's the number one malady of our community. So let's love and serve our neighbors. Let's let them know that they are not alone. Let's let them know that they have people who love them and who are willing to serve them. And I just want to say, church, that I am so thankful for you. You are a gift from God. You have this calling from Christ. And you have the power to be the church in our community. And I know that you will. So I am just so grateful and thankful to God for you. Because I see your love. I know your love. And the community needs to know our love. So will you join me? Let's be the church together. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you are a beautiful Savior, the King of creation. Help us to truly love you, to truly serve you by loving and serving your people, the community you have planted us in. Open our hearts and lead us, Lord, to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray.